Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 31. That's on page 544 of your Book of Praise. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? The preaching of the holy gospel and church discipline. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is open to believers and closed to unbelievers. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits, as often as they, by true faith, accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and in the life to come. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians, but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life, are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. If they do not give up their errors or wickedness, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. If they do not heed also their admonitions, they are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are excluded by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and show real amendment. We will sing after the sermon from Psalm 133, the stanzas 1 and 2. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, can you imagine that when you come to the door of your home after work, and then you find that your home is all locked up, you have no way of getting in. All the locks have been changed, and you are told in no uncertain terms by your family that you're no longer welcome. That would be quite something, wouldn't it? You had no inkling that this was going to happen. Now imagine if that were to happen in the church. Out of the blue, you are told that you're no longer welcome. You have been told, you have not been told why, and not given any warning. Wouldn't that be awful? And that would be totally wrong, wouldn't it? Especially considering that the church here on earth must reflect the kingdom of God. Paul compares the church to a household. That is what he does in Ephesians 2, verse 19, and in his first letter to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 15. In that well-known chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, he gives instructions about how members, and especially the office bearers, must conduct themselves in the household of God, which he says is the church of the living God the pillar and foundation of the truth. 
all these office bearers have been given certain keys. The Heidelberg Catechism tells us that these keys are the preaching and the church discipline. In other words, they can allow certain people in and other people they can shut out. But this has to be done properly, not arbitrarily, willy-nilly. It has to be done in accordance with God's word. And for that reason, the Lord gives some very important instructions to the church. And that's what I will preach to you about this afternoon. I will preach to you about the keys of the household of God. And then we will first look at what those keys are, second, who the key holders are, and finally, what their responsibility is. As I said, the church is like a household, like a household made up of many relatives. You usually belong to a certain household through blood relations. The relationship through blood is what makes you brothers and sisters, and even aunts and uncles. But you can become part of someone's household in other ways as well. You can be adopted, for example. You can also be accepted into a household when you have no household of your own. Some families are very good at that. They include other people in wonderful ways by inviting them to dinner, for example. Sometimes even they invite them to live with them. You see, blood relations isn't everything. Actually, in the final analysis, it means nothing. To be a family together means to have fellowship together, to have communion with one another. And how do you do that? How do parents keep the family together? By loving one another, by teaching and encouraging and admonishing, and by giving access to the family belongings. When you belong to a family, then you share in many things. And then you are given permission to have access to the various rooms in the house, to the cupboards, and to the fridge, to many other things. Now, that is why God also sent his son to make us a family together so we can share together. He came also to invite everyone to become part of God's kingdom, everyone who believes in him. And do you know why, how he did that? Well, he did that by the preaching. And Lord Jesus was an excellent preacher. Of course, since he was perfect, he excelled in everything that he did. But preaching was the most important thing that he did. It is through the preaching that he opened up the kingdom of God. It is through the preaching, that key, that he gives access to the treasures of God's kingdom. And it is through the preaching that he told everyone who wants to come that they too can be part of God's household. You can do that for the keys of the kingdom belong to him and to him alone. That's also what the Lord Jesus himself said to the church at Philadelphia. He said in Revelation 3, verse 7, 
These are the words of him who, are, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And look at how the Lord Jesus Christ handled the keys of the kingdom. The Lord Jesus was fully aware that the people do not know how or even if they were part of God's kingdom. And therefore, the Lord Jesus opened the kingdom in ingenious ways. First of all, proclaimed the opening of the kingdom to God's covenant people of old, to the Jews. Of course, the Jews were all related by blood through Abraham. But they thought that that is actually the only way that you can belong to God and his kingdom. And they also thought that you had to add good works to that. And that is what the leaders of the church, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law proclaimed. And they set themselves up as classical examples of doers of good works. Well, if you're going to teach that it is good through good works, then you also have to teach that some people are better than others. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They excluded all kinds of people. And especially excluded people who were not part of God's people of old, of the Jewish people. They prided themselves in belonging to Abraham, of being children of Abraham. But now the Lord Jesus comes along and he says, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not how God includes and excludes others from the kingdom. You can only become part of God's kingdom through grace. You see, to be related by blood is a blessing. That is how human households are established. But that's only really a minor, Paul, a, a minor part. In a final analysis, it means nothing at all. You can also become part of the family without blood relations. And that is especially the case with the household of God. You become a member of God's household by faith. And so what does the Lord Jesus do? He proclaims the opening of the kingdom to sinners, to prostitutes, to murderers, to adulterers. They too can become part of God's household. And he proclaims that message in clever ways. Since he knows that man has difficulty understanding, he uses simple language and simple concepts. Yet his message is profound. The Lord teaches the people mostly in parables. Parables help you understand the message. For parables bring you into your own world. For example, the Lord Jesus tells the parable of the children of the hidden treasure and the pearl. He says in Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything ha he had and bought it. And the Lord Jesus knows how we treasure earthly riches. Well, he says what you find in God's kingdom is much richer. 
And people could really identify with this. It is that precious. And it's so precious that you are willing to sell everything you have in order to gain it. But he also warns those who shun those riches of the kingdom and who do not care about fellowship with their fellow citizens that they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he also gives the example of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. It's also a well-known parable. He says there that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He invited all kinds of important people from all over his kingdom, people who thought they had made great contributions to that kingdom. He invited, but nobody would come. They weren't interested. They were too busy. They figured that they did not need the king, and so they rejected. And they even murdered his messengers. This enraged the king, and therefore he sent his army to destroy them. But then he sent his servants out to anyone they could find, the poor and the lame and the weak, all those who in the eyes of the world were insignificant. And they, even though they knew that they had nothing to offer, accepted the invitation. They did not think they were worthy, and they were extremely glad to be invited. However, there was one there who didn't have wedding clothes. And then the king told the attendants that they must tie this man hand and foot and throw this man outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That man did not prepare himself for the kingdom of God. He was not joyful at being invited. He did not show thankfulness. And so the Lord Jesus shows in his preaching that it both opens the kingdom and that it closes the kingdom. It is open to all those who want to accept the invitation of the Lord God and who really want to be part of it, but it is closed to all those who are self-sufficient who think that they can do without God and without their fellow citizens. Just before his death, the Lord Jesus handed the keys of the kingdom over to the church. That's the second point. He says to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 19, that he will give him the keys of the kingdom of heaven and that whatever he binds on earth will be bound in heaven and that whatever he sets loose on earth will be set loose in heaven. It's not so, of course, as the Roman Catholics proclaim that these keys are given to Peter as such and that from then on, Peter is to give those keys over to his successors which are the popes. That's not the way it goes in the kingdom of God. No, the Lord Jesus says to Peter and to his other disciples that he gives him the key on the basis of Peter's confession. Whenever they speak in accordance with the king, then whatever they say or do will also be done in heaven. Just before his ascension, the Lord Jesus gives the great commission to the disciples. He says to them that they must go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded them. Now that's a task not just given to the disciples, but to every believer. 
All of us must proclaim the kingdom of heaven to those who want to enter it. We may invite neighbors and friends. But we must also warn others that those who do not heed the voice of God, that they will be excluded. However, the authority of the keys has been given to the church, not just to individuals. And that is why Paul said to the Ephesian elders that they must keep watch over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. And that is why he tells Timothy to ordain elders in every church that is established. They have been given the authority of God to exclude and to include those who belong to their flock. For that reason, it says in the scriptures that the elders who rule well receive double honor. Not because who they are as men, but because of the position that God has given to them. He has given them a position of authority. And so the author of the letter to the Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for for that would be no advantage to you. The author says that they must keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Do you know to whom? They must give account. Well, they are directly accountable to the king, to God in heaven. Elders sometimes are afraid to handle the key of discipline. We all are. We don't want to exclude someone who should not be excluded. And we also know that discipline is usually not very much appreciated. No one likes discipline. But on what basis is someone from the household of God disciplined? On what basis do we exclude? It is always based on the actions of the persons themselves. It is not something that the church does in the first place. It is not even something that God does in the first place. God has given certain people access to his kingdom. He gives that to believing parents and their children. But if those children no longer want to avail themselves of the benefits of the kingdom, if they no longer want to have fellowship, if they don't show up for church for months and for years, and if they show in their lifestyle that they don't want to be children of God, then they themselves have already excluded themselves. And they themselves have excommunicated themselves. All that the office bearer has to do then, on the basis of God's word, is to proclaim that. For that reality is already there. And then they had better not be afraid to also state that. We may not be afraid. And we may not grumble about it either. The use of the keys of the kingdom is an act of love. And that is how God shows his love to himself and to his people. Of course, you have to be gentle and wise and loving. But you also have to be firm. Discipline is meant to call someone back into fellowship. It is a warning. 
discipline that is done by the church will only be a reality if the person does not repent in his lifetime. And therefore, you have to be very careful in how you handle the keys of the kingdom of God. A good father in his home knows how to take care of his children. He is gentle, he is wise, he knows when to discipline and when not to discipline. He knows how to give leadership in the home. He knows how to show himself to be a good example in the home. He also knows how to communicate properly with his wife and children. But above all, he knows to be firm. He knows what it is to discipline. And he knows how necessary discipline is. Children without discipline grow up to be monsters because they think that they have the freedom to do anything they want. It is a great privilege to belong to a good household. For a child receives all the benefits of such a home. And in a good home, a child is protected from harm from the time of his or her birth. He or she is protected from evil influences in the home. He is not given full access to certain things that come into the home that may damage the child. For example, he is not given unlimited access to junk food. For a father and mother know that that will damage the child. And the child is not given full access to every TV program in the home either. No, he is given access to all the good things. He is given clothing and good food. And when he grows up, he is even given the keys to the car. A child is also given advice and love and understanding. A good home is a place to thrive and to be comfortable. It is a place that you long to be. These are all privileges. But with privileges come responsibilities. A child must also show appreciation for such a home. And he may not take those privileges for granted. He has to abide by the rules. And if not, discipline is necessary. Discipline in the home is done out of the love for the child and also for the well-being of the family, of the household. The child who does not want to listen brings destruction upon himself. And much wisdom and insight is needed from the parents in those cases. Now, the same thing is true in the church. Of course, we are speaking ideally, for I do not have to tell you that we do not have perfect homes. My home is not perfect, far from it. And we don't have a perfect church either. Things happen in our homes and in the church that are not always right. Parents or elders are not always as patient as they should be and as fair. But in a good home, there is good communication about these things. There is a real desire to do what is right. But it is the parents that must give the lead. And so must the office bearers in the church. Office bearers have been given quite a responsibility come to the third point. It is through the spoken word that the tone is set in the home. In a good home, there is upbuilding language. You compliment each other. 
You include one another with the words that you speak. You make one another feel welcome and loved. Some children are more difficult to love than others. But it is especially those kinds of children that you have to include. And those kinds of dynamics ought to be at work also in the church. We don't make people feel welcome because they are such good people or because they do so much for the church. No, we include them because they are God's children. And then you do not look at how pretty they are or how well-behaved they are. No, you look at the incredible bond that they have with their Father in heaven. It is a relationship based on love and not good works. And that is why the office bearers had better be very careful in the way that they handle the keys of the kingdom. It would be an awful thing if they excluded someone from the kingdom of heaven when God himself does not do that. It would be an awful thing if they acted like the Pharisees did and presented themselves as more deserving than others and excluding others. No, the keys of the kingdom have been given to the church and to the leaders of the church. And that means that they must give God's people access to all the benefits of the household of God, of God's kingdom. They must hand out the forgiveness of sins. In other words, they must be full of kindness and mercy. They must hand out justice and peace and righteousness. But like in a good household, there must also be discipline in the church. We are the household of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Brothers and sisters have fellowship together. They enjoy all the benefits of God's kingdom together. And they also sit around the Lord's supper table together. And that is why we cannot just stay away from the worship services and from the Lord's supper for frivolous reasons. No, we belong together. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has given us many privileges. He has made us part of his household. He gives us in the church a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven. But it is only for those who eagerly accept those gifts and the responsibilities that come with them. How wonderful it is to belong to the church of God where we may have a foretaste of heaven and where we may be warned and disciplined. How wonderful that the Lord gives to the church elders and deacons who have been given the privilege of handling the keys. Amen.